This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is Daddy Soda time here on the College Draft Podcast presented today by our awesome YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Please check it out. Hopefully most of you already know, if you subscribe, it's free, obviously. But if you comment on any of the videos, we post the highlights of all of our shows, even Money Podcast, Fantasy Feast Podcast, Business of Sports Podcast, and of course, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, where we talked with Jenny Vrentis this morning from Sports Illustrated about Jack Easterby. Nobody knows more about Jack Easterby than Jenny Vrentis. Plus, minority hiring in the NFL, female roles in the NFL. Really fun chat with Jenny. Check that out. But as long as you comment on any of our YouTube videos, you are automatically entered to win a cameo-style shout-out from yours truly, Ross Tucker, the former NFL offensive lineman, you can see the helmet and the game balls and whatever behind me. For those of you that either watch the social media clips at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod, or check the show out on YouTube. The star of this show, though, it's Emory Hunt. He's an absolute rock star. Just remember, two years from now, when he's a household name, that I told you he would be a household name, he's incredibly hardworking, he's everywhere. His draft guide is the draft best draft guide I'm aware of. Footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. And the time to get it is now. I mean, the time to order it is now. Emery, when's it looking like since there's no real combine? When's it looking like that's going to come out? Well, that's a great question because we got great news. And because I hadn't traveled to all the All-Star games in January, uh, we're looking ahead of schedule. You know, I'm, I'm finishing wide receivers probably tomorrow. Uh, moving on to tight ends, and I should be done with the offense by next Tuesday, which would you know, allow me to start defense. So I would say maybe uh, right around, you know, maybe two weeks from now, we'll have the draft guide in hand. Awesome. Well, again, footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. At FBall Game Plan is how you can always be aware of the different things that Emery's doing. That's on Twitter. And then, of course, his his YouTube channel is awesome, Football Game Plan on YouTube. So here's what we're going to do today, Emery. Really three different things, I guess two, two major different topics, right? Number one, I wanted to get the three guys that jumped out to you the most from both the Senior Bowl and the Hula Bowl over the weekend. And then I wanted to dive into these Super Bowl rosters a little bit with you and just see what scouting lessons can be learned, if any, from looking at these Super Bowl teams. Very fired about it. Let's start, though, with the Senior Bowl, because it looked like uh, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M had a good week, certainly had a good game. And I saw just from your Twitter 
that you were impressed with how he was throwing the ball. Man, listen, when he throws, it, it legitimately looks like he's throwing a baseball uh, right down the middle. It's just, it comes out, you know, smooth, fast, hot, and it, it gets to where it needs to be in an instant. Um, so you like that he's throwing the football hard with, with confidence. And I thought the placement was where it needed to be in that, in that game. Now, he's still, you know, it, it's weird with Kellen Mind because he's super productive. You know, like they said during the broadcast, outside of Johnny Manziel, Mond has all those records, you know, at Texas A&M. But it's something about his game that, you know, it, the throwing is great, but the it still looks robotic a lot of times. But, man, you know, he he was the most impressive quarterback, I thought, during that whole Senior Bowl game, and he won the MVP. But, again, when you're able to throw those, you know, in-breaking routes with, with that much velocity and it – as a receiver, you almost have no choice but to catch it because the ball going to stick to you because it's like that movie Necessary Roughness where the ball, like, sticks to the, the guy in the face mask. how hard he throws. So here's the question, Emery, in my mind, which is what are the knocks on Kellen Mond? I think, just from watching this film, I think um, placement is inconsistent. You know, uh, the accuracy is, is where it needs to be, but placement and accuracy are two different things. And I think placement is where, you know, he has to become much more consistent. And like I said, the robotic nature of his game, you know, at some you're sitting there watching him play and you say, man, just take off. Or why, why does it look like it's it's going through, you know, you know, a processing um, speed as opposed to just, man, just go out there and just play. I think if he could just cut it loose and just play and not – it seems like he's thinking too much out there, which gets you to hold the football long to the last possible minute and it affects everything about your game. But the physical talents you like, you just want him just to go out there and just play, man, not worry about making the right decision every time. I think that's what leads to his robotic nature. Interesting. The other thing I thought was interesting, I, I always like Senior Bowl and events like this. I like when guys that people don't know as much about, you know, step up. And I also like there are times when a guy has been overshadowed by someone else on his college team at the same position. And I feel like that's the case with Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville. It feels like he kind of always got overshadowed by Tutu Atwell. Right. And we always talked about Tutu Atwell because he probably had the most dynamic plays of the two. But watching Fitzpatrick all week at practice, you know, watching the Senior Bowl practice film, and then watching the game, you know, you saw what he did on the practice field translate to the game. And then, you know, pouring through his film at Louisville, you saw a lot of the same. You know, he's just as consistent as he was on on game day at the Senior Bowl. Route running, being able to separate, catching the ball away from his body, all those things you want to see receivers do, he's able to do that very well. Um, and, again, he may not be as dynamic as Tutu Atwell, but when you talk about consistency, that's what the pros want. Um, that's what they, you know, that's how you are able to stay in the league for a long time. And I think that's the future for Fitzpatrick. The other guy, speaking of kind of under the radar guys that people, you know, I knew about him cause I've done a couple of his games, but not a lot of people knew about Cam Sample, the defensive lineman from Tulane. He's versatile, man. You can put him anywhere along that defensive line and he's going to find a way to the quarterback or find a way to a TFL, or find a way to just be disruptive. Um, and I like that he can win with both quickness and also power. And, you know, the scouting term converts speed to power. I think he does that well. 
Uh, and, and for a defensive lineman, you know, I, I think for him, not being 6'7 or 6'6 six, six or 6'5, six, being able to get into a def- uh, offensive lineman's chest pretty quickly, he has control. And, that, and that's why he's able to win because he wins that hands first game that you have to win up front, whether you're O-line or D-lineman. And, and he's always consistent in that area. And we saw that in the game uh, play itself out. You know, it's a good point, Emery. People get really excited about length, and I understand why. But you go against some of those 6'2", 6'3", guys, they, they, they're just – it's hard to get leverage on them. It's hard to get leverage on them. And they can be – if you're 6'2 and a half, 280, you are a thick, powerful dude. And a lot of times those guys can move well. Sometimes guys like him – end up getting to 295 and becoming three techniques. Think about this. And I always use this for people that, you know, tend to think the opposite way is think about Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson did not have the reach against virtually 95% of the boxers he went against. Guess who was able to get inside and knock people out with power? Mike Tyson. So it didn't matter. If you have long arms, it takes you a little bit longer to get your hands up or get your your, your punch out quicker than uh, slower than a guy that has a shorter reach, but he's a little bit quicker, a little bit more agile, a little bit more apt to, you know, move around, he's going to win. It's not about length. It's about quickness. And I think that's the difference. Uh, whether you have, Now, if you have long arms and you're quick, goodness. You know what I'm saying? But if you are short, you better be quick. If not, you're not going to win many battles. Well, and not only that, if you are short but have long arms, that might be the best of both worlds. Love you know, it. like if I could be an offensive lineman again, Emery, I'd want to be like an interior offensive lineman. Six two and a half, six three is fine, but if you give me the long arms, <laughs> I'll take the long <laughs> arms as well. You know, speaking of like six three, the other guy, and and this is going to relate to one of my Super Bowl lessons. The other guy that tore up the the Senior Bowl was this Quinn Miners the D3 center from Wisconsin Whitewater. I mean, all day, every day on the social media clips, he was just killing dudes out there. Yeah, this is the type of game where everyone else kind of realizes that there's good football players outside of the Power Five, you know, and all of a sudden everyone wants to talk, oh, wow, like, you you know, the NFL really finds him. Like, yeah, the NFL has always done that. However, it's hard to get, you know, through the thick media skull that, yes, you can play good quality pro football uh, outside of the SEC. And so it's always great to see, um, you know, these guys from the lower levels get in there and and do well. Because, again, we talked about this before. A guy like Quinn uh, Miners probably was undersized coming out of high school. So when you think about power five prospects coming out of high school, they're more closer to, uh, finished products and you know height weight speed athleticism they check all of those boxes they develop faster um, than everyone else so therefore you go down a peg as far as level is concerned so yeah the dude probably was you know probably was six two maybe was about 225 pounds playing guard uh, in high school and yeah he ballooned but in the right way to where he is now but if you're a power five recruiter you're not going to take a chance on a six two 235-pound guard, no, you have your pick of the litter at guys that already meet your height, weight, speed, athleticism uh, metrics. Let's get to the Hula Bowl because the Hula Bowl doesn't get nearly as much attention 
as the Senior Bowl. Uh, Let's start with the wide receiver from Illinois that caught your attention this week. Josh Itamora Baby. Itamora Baby. I I wanted to make sure I get it out there. Eat baby. That's what it is. You know, say it again. <laughs> Sounds like he wants to eat a baby. Right. <laughs> exactly. It took me a while that you have to listen to it. You listen to a couple of broadcasts and like six different broadcasts say six different ways, but it's eat more to baby. Uh, and what I like about him, he went to USC. Uh, so he, he has elite level athleticism and talent transferred to Illinois. And despite their passing game, not being much of anything, you still saw the the talent on display. So watching him out there and, and watching him be able to run routes and, and get open with his speed and athleticism, um, it, remi- it reminds me a lot of Allen Robinson um, and how he's able to work himself open. He's a you know, 6'2", 220, uh, well put together, but has all of those traits that we see Robinson have out there on Sunday. And I think he could have that same type of projection in the NFL. This is a case where a guy may end up being a better pro than he was in college based off the situation around him, not his talent. Got it. Now, the next guy is another guy that's not power five, and I've called one of his games, and he was very impressive. That's UAB running back Spencer Brown, big boy that was productive for a number of years for the Blazers. Yeah, and watching his junior tape, I thought he was more, you know, a guy like Spencer Ware or maybe had, you know, a pathway to being a fullback. Um, but this year, I thought he dropped a little bit of weight, which is great. He picked up some quickness and some bursts, and he runs with an attitude. And I, I like the attitude that he runs, and I like the fact that he, you know, self-scouted himself and said, maybe I'm a little bit too heavy. Um, let me drop five to maybe ten pounds and pick up some quickness and burst, and it helped improve his game. Now, he is the all-time leading rusher at UAB, so he was productive, but now because of the drop weight, the quickness and the burst that he picked up, we may see him be, you know, uh, he mu- he makes a much better projection to the pro game as a tailback as opposed to having to move the fullback. Um, then the last guy we want to talk about specifically in the Hula Bowl was another D lineman. This is Phil Hoskins from Kentucky. Now, he, he well-traveled. He was a Juco guy, granted his sixth year at Kentucky. Uh, so a game like this really is is beneficial for him because he just needs reps against, you know, top quality competition. Now, he got that at Kentucky. He played well this year. He missed a couple games um, on the front end and on the back end. But you saw a guy that got better every week. And I thought the last stretch of the season, he was playing his best ball. And for him at 6'5", 315, he was playing, you know, the five tech in their three, uh, in a three three five defense or three five three four defense. Um, but I think he's probably more of a one tech um, because he he's quick off the ball. He could be a disruptor. Putting him on the outside kind of leaves him, you know, susceptible to, to more uh, tackles that that have a little bit more uh, savvy than he does right now. But as a quick one gap penetrator, as a one technique or even a shade, I think he has a future. So a game like the Hula Bowl was definitely beneficial for him, seeing where he could project more so at the at the pro level. All right, the next thing we want to do. Emery, which I'm really fired up about, is look at the Super Bowl rosters for the Chiefs and the Bucks, and talk about some scouting lessons that we should all keep in mind. These are the two best teams. These are the teams in the Super Bowl. Some scouting lessons that people should keep in mind 
when they're looking at building teams and draft picks over the next couple months, free agency and the draft. Speaking, by the way, of the Super Bowl, how about this, Emery? This is crazy, okay? I am in love with the offers that DraftKings has this week. Number one, all right? DraftKings Sportsbook is doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in the big game. This is not new users. This is all users. Doubling your money if a touchdown scored in the big game. All it takes is for one touchdown, boom, your money is doubled. Sounds like a no-brainer to me. Then, I love this DraftKings big game prediction challenge with up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs and instant prizes for everyone who enters the contest. So think about this, right? As soon as you enter, it's just predictions. You get between $3 and $25,000. And then if you do well in the predictions, you can get a lot more. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code Ross to get a shot at doubling your money if a touchdown is scored in Sunday's game. That's promo code Ross to get a shot at doubling your money during Sunday night season finale only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 older. New Jersey, Indiana, Colorado, which is applies to DraftKings.com slash prediction dash challenge dash DFS. For details, gambling problem, call 100-GAMBLER. All right, let's dive into it, Emery. We're going to go back and forth. I don't even know what your lessons are going to be. I'm going to – I'll start. Um, one of my lessons relates to the interior of the Bucks' offensive line. They're all good players. The left guard, Ali Marpet, Division Three Hobart. The center, Ryan Jensen, Division Two Colorado State Pueblo. Most of you listening have never heard of either one of those schools, Hobart or Colorado Pueblo. And then the normal right guard, who got hurt a couple weeks ago, Alex Kappa, he is from another Division II school, Humboldt State. So think about that. The interior trio for the Bucks normally, all Division II and Division III guys, and they're good. Jensen and Marpet are as good as anybody at their positions in the whole league. Kappa's not there yet, but I do think he's getting there. He's still a young guy. He got drafted last year in 2018 and so I think the lesson there Emery if these guys are good enough to be starters if these guys are good enough to be drafted second third round whatever there are other FCS D2 D3 guys out there that are worthy of being late round picks that I believe are being overlooked maybe it's Quinn Miners whatever but there are other guys if you can have D2, D3 guys, Emery, be it this high end, like these guys, then there's other guys that could be your swing inside guy, your swing tackle, whatever, that are getting lost in the cracks that could be six, seventh round picks end up being good players for your team. Ross, think about this, and, and you could speak to this eloquently. Think about how good you were as a high school football player. And then think about how much better you got at Princeton when you had access to nutrition and 
college strength and conditioning program. Think about the development you made uh, throughout the course of your career. And, and that's what we're seeing with guys going from Division two, Division three, and then going in, you know, that have talent that dominated their competition at their level, which is what you're supposed to do, and then go to the NFL and continue to get better, where we see guys maybe from Power 5 schools or FBS programs stabilize. Like, they flatline their their level of, of, of growth, you know, which is not necessarily bad if you're good, then that means you're going to be consistently good. But guys are consistently getting better from these lower levels because of the fact that they have even more access to the same amenities and, and things that Power 5 guys had all throughout their college career. Um, so that's a great point. I think for me, uh, when I look at the Chiefs, I look at two players in particular, um, Pat Mahomes and also LeJarius Sneed and Tyron Matthew, three players. And going back to my old scouting report, I had first-round grades on uh, – I had absolutely Mahomes was my number graded out as the highest quarterback I had uh, in, in that draft class, although I capped the numbers off at 90. Um, so it was Watson, Mahomes, uh, and Deshaun Kaiser all had with a 90. But on paper, Mahomes had a 93. And I was afraid. I'm like, am I am I just liking Mahomes' tape too much? Like, I can't put a 93. That's almost, you know, Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, so I capped everybody's grade at 90. But going back to that point, I'm like, man, you know, if you like what you see and your eyes never tell you wrong, then trust it. Put it on paper. If you're wrong, be wrong. But if you're right, man, it's going to look good. But it's it's about trusting what you see. For the Jerry Sneed and, and Tyron Matthews' point of view, I learned the fact that, you know, traits translate. You know, I had a high grade on, on Tyron Matthews. I had a first-round grade on when everybody was knocking him for off-the-field stuff. But they also questioned some of his on-the-field stuff. But I said in, his, in my notes, if this dude that plays defense always has the ball in his hands, that's the guy I want on my team. You know, I want those guys that find a way to the football. And that translates. If you can make plays on a ball, you're going to make plays on a ball at the pro level. And for Snead, it was about the traits because at Louisiana Tech, when I was at the uh, Marshall game last year, he was playing free safety. So what you're seeing now in the NFL is him playing off coverage, making a lot of plays on the ball, which sounds a lot like what? Playing free safety. And now that you see him get a little bit more nuanced at corner, because he played corner two years ago before moving to safety. And I've seen this before because we did this when we were in college. Charles Tillman was playing corner um, and teams stopped throwing to his side. So we had to move him to free safety so he could make more plays on the ball because teams wouldn't throw at him when he was at corner. So it allowed us to get more talent on the field. So watching Snead go out there and, and do great things, you saw the difference in the secondary instantly when he got back from injury. So traits translate. If you know you you don't want to focus on production per se, that's great. But if you have certain traits that you know translate to the NFL, that's key. And for Pat Mahomes, it's about just trusting what you see. If this dude is balding like this, it's not a mirage. It's not you know nonsense. Trust what you're seeing. Another one for me. I I got a bunch I could go to, um, Emery. But another one for me is just speed. And I think we already know that. But, like, Scotty Miller was a great sixth-round pick. <laughs> I mean, Scotty Miller, I don't even know what college Scotty went to. Where did he go? Scotty Miller, I mean, Bowling Green, I didn't realize that. <laughs> Scotty Miller's Bowling Green in the MAC. I mean, having guys that are just lightning 
So you got Scotty Miller for the Bucks, and obviously for the Chiefs. I mean, Tyreek Hill was a fifth-round pick. I don't know how much of that was the off-the-field stuff. Hardman was a second-round pick. But even Byron Pringle can roll as, as a college free agent that they got out of Kansas State. If you have late-round picks and there's dudes up there that run a 4-2 or a 4-3, you might want to take one or two of them. I even saw that a little bit from the Eagles this past year. You know, Hightower made a couple big plays down the field. Quez Watkins made a big play. Like, you there, you can always take a shot on speed, is I guess what my takeaway would be there. Think about the uh, another guy that hadn't played a lot this year, but he has that speed. And he's for the Bucks, another small school guy, Justin Watson from Penn. Like, he could fly. Um, and, you know, he was a 200-meter champion in high school, uh, ridiculous speed. You saw him do all kind of crazy things at Penn as far as, you know, catch and run is concerned. Uh, another one of the things that I noticed, too, that, that you know, scouting lessons, uh, it involves the running back position, obviously. Uh, but looking at how different guys look in the NFL, you know, with Fournette, Coming out of high, I've been watching Fournette since his, you know, high school career, because uh, my old high school coach coached him in high school, and so watching Fournette blossom into what he is now shows you that guys can continue to work on their game. Coming out of college, you know, I compared him, and this is where I also get you know unique with comparisons because people tend to see names and think it's a one for one, but for me, I compared him to. USFL version of Herschel Walker, the New Jersey Generals, right? And talk about eye back, one cut downhill, explosive, you know, and, you know, if the lane is there, boom, he, he can go. Now, if I was to say Herschel Walker with the Cowboys or Herschel Walker with, you know, the rest of the NFL, people forget how versatile Herschel Walker was as a, you know, as an NFL player, um, you know, being able to line up out wide and run deep down the field, be a threat in the passing game. Uh, but USFL version was more of your classic back that we don't see anymore, to be honest. And so for Fournette, watching how he was able to evolve his game this year, uh, really started last year where he was able to catch the football a little bit more uh, with Jacksonville than this season, showing a little bit more you know, lateral quickness and footwork, getting himself out of trouble a lot. Um, I, was, I was impressed. So, yes, what your scouting report says coming out of college is usually based off what you've done in college. And for me, at least in the media, and I know scouts are paid to project. So watching what Fournette has done, you know, that's a addendum you would add to uh, his scouting report. That Okay, he now has a better grasp on, you know, the vision part and the lateral agility part and making a guy miss instead of trying to run everybody over. So watching someone, you know, evolve their game past their scouting report is something that uh, I definitely learned as well. Last thing, I guess, uh, for me, two of them would, one would be there's a lot of, there's more value than I think some teams believe in run, in linebackers that can really run. Devin White and Levante David have been huge difference makers for the Bucks. And I think people need to re- realize that. I also think DB is a good place to throw some numbers at it and kind of see what sticks. You mentioned Legereus Sneed. Um, you know, Rashad Fenton's a good sixth-round pick for the Chiefs as well. And then you go to the Bucks. Not all of them have hit, right? Like Mike Edwards, the third-round pick, doesn't play that much. 
but Jordan Whitehead in the fourth round, Sean Murphy Bunning second round, Carlton Davis second round, Jamel Dean third round. I think you get guys with traits, guys with ability, and even if one doesn't make it, you got enough other resources there that you're going to get some young players on first contracts that can really play pretty well for you. And, and to piggyback off one of your points, talking about Devin White, and people are amazed at how he's able to make these one-on-one tackles. What they don't understand is that this dude grew up wrangling horses. You think these, you know, 210-pound running backs or wide receivers going to get away from a dude that's used to handling horses? You crazy? Like, no, that's light work for him. Uh, but on the back end, my last one is about draft picks. And we see this a lot with fans, and, and they're fascinated with mock drafts, and they're always interested in the first round. A lot of people in the media are always interested in the first round. But the, I look at it from a from a philosophy of you only get seven picks. So, yes, you can find starters with those seven picks. You got 200 and what, 50, 60-something picks in the draft or 54. And you mean to tell me out of the top seniors, which you probably have over 8,000 to choose from, the top 252, you mean to tell me that you're going to think a seventh-round pick is not good? Like, no, you have an opportunity to hit on all of these picks. So you have to take each pick or treat each pick like it's a first-round pick because we just ran through about 12 players that none of them went in the first round. You know what I'm saying? Maybe one or two, um, like Mahomes and, and Fournette. But everybody else was after the first round. So if you treat this like – if you treat each pick like a first-round pick, you're going to find guys that can help you out immediately um, and help your team get better. That's why the draft is the quickest way to get better as a football team. Check him out on Twitter, at FBallGamePlan. Perhaps more importantly, footballgameplan.com slash 2021 draft guide. You're going to enjoy all the podcasts we have for you this week on the Raw Sucker Podcast Network. The Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money Tomorrow, What Super Bowl Bets You Should Place, Fantasy Feast on Wednesday, we'll talk DFS and prop bets. Of course, we'll have Andrew Brandt, Greg Cosell, and some surprises on the Ross Tucker Podcast as well. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and the Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.